On this week's episode, is there a future for E3? HBO says our flag means death, and we recap WrestleMania. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic and Media, plus also as well, if you can go ahead and check us out at Facebook at Pop Culture Cosmos, because we're the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook. We do a lot of great things there. Plus, we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every day at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you could support all of that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is our own blockbuster night at Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Humanican Media, where he's got a ton of great things that he's done and he's still doing, like the Super BS Gamescast and Topic Ocalypse. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is up? Hey, so fun news, kind of unrelated to what we are talking about today. But, you know, we occasionally talk about Gundam on this show. And I just found out that Gundam is saying they're building a metaverse now. So when you go out and buy like the guns, right? And so when you go out and buy like the model kits, which I do enjoy, you can scan them into this metaverse and you can use them in whatever this metaverse platform is going to be. So they're trying to tie in the anime to the video games, the model kids. They're like, they're just connecting it all. I don't quite know how that's going to work, but it's a neat idea as we're heading into this metaverse era. Of course, because you'll see everybody trying to create their own metaverse. So mm-hmm. interested in seeing what the future holds for the Gundamverse. How about that? How about there that? There we go. I like yeah, that. There you go. But we're going to be talking about who won at the box office and was it a disappointment or a boost for that particular picture? I think everybody th- knows what that movie is. So let's see if it took a bite, a good bite out of the box office this weekend. We'll talk about that. Plus, I have thoughts and I hope Josh will as well on Halo Episode 2. We're talking also as well The Bubble on Netflix severance i'm just going to mention real quickly because it's my weekly you gotta watch severance on apple plus so i'll mention that also hbo's our flag means death because we're going to go ahead and talk about our flag means death on today's episode i know that's been a big hit for hbo max is it a show worth investing into we'll talk about that e3 officially gets canceled as far as the digital part and also the physical earlier this year so We're going to talk about what the future might hold for E3, and is it still relevant in the video game industry? We'll talk about that. Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, speaking of delays, is also being delayed to next year. 
Josh wanted to go ahead and share some thoughts on if this will affect the later part of the year in the world of gaming. We'll talk about that. And does anyone care about the Academy Awards after the Slapgate that went on last weekend? I think it overshadows the lack of interest in the Academy Awards. We'll talk about that on the back end of the show. Plus, in the middle, we've got not one but two great reports coming up for you on night one and night two of WrestleMania. That's coming up on the show as well. But first, my friend, it is the box office. Real quick, I wanted to go ahead and run down that Morbius here in the United States is the box office champ. It debuted with horrible reviews. Uh, As I mentioned on the Friday show, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 37 is the Metacritic score. And it was very fortunate that it actually earned about $39, $40 million at the U.S. box office, which was right around what Sony was projecting didn't exceed what Sony was projecting, that's for sure. I want to hear your thoughts on Morbius. I know this is something that is getting raked over the coals out there. I have a feeling that this time next week we'll be seeing the numbers transcend down rapidly because of the bad word of mouth. But your thoughts on Morbius? You know, this is a movie that suffered from the release date pushes that it kept going through. The marketing was really heavy at first saying, hey, it's coming out on this date and then all of a sudden it got shifted so i think it got shifted twice right if i yes. remember correctly at least twice at least twice so nobody really knew when this movie was coming out and then all of a sudden like me for example i had no idea it was coming out on friday i just kind of turned on the computer one day and saw the reviews pop up for it so they just kind of pushed it out and i don't think a lot of people knew anything about this movie or what to expect from it when it was coming out and I feel like it was marketed very poorly due to the constant date shifting with this property and the fact that, like, did anybody really want a Morbius film? Yeah, exactly. I think that's the bigger picture. Did anybody really want a Morbius film? Should Morbius have been a part of a bigger picture, like a Spider-Man picture? And then if there was a lot of interest in him, maybe make a picture then instead of the other way around. But again, it's Sony's arrogance because of the fact that they thought they could put out any kind of movie out there in the Spider-Verse, i.e. Venom, which did very, very well, exceedingly well for an R-rated picture, even though it also got raked over the coals as far as critically is concerned. But it's found a new life. It's found a continuous life. The sequel did well. So I think that with Morbius, it sends a bad sign for Black Cat. It sends a bad sign for Craven the Hunter that maybe you should not make all these different standalone movies in the Spider-Verse. Maybe you should focus more on a Sinister Six instead. Well, they're so focused on like Spider-Man's rogues gallery, you know, Morbius, Craven the Hunter, Venom all these characters. Uh, I know there's a Madam Web movie coming out. So it's just, it's like th- this idea that like, I can't have Spider-Man due to contractual obligations to Marvel, but let's build this world. So eventually we can put him back into it. But the cool thing about the villains, at least in like the cartoons and the comic books is that you're learning about their origins as they're taking on Spider-Man. So you're figuring out like why they're so tragic. And at the same time, like you're feeling that confliction that Spider-Man has with, fighting them you're not getting any of that like human aspect in these movies they're just like oh hey let's set this up and whatever's going to happen is going to happen and it just kind of takes away from that whole experience with morbius i think it's a matter of he's kind of an unknown villain not a lot of people know about him unless you like watch the cartoon from the 90s 
But from what I understand, they're setting up some kind of like Sinister Six villain team up based on what happened in the end credits with Michael Keaton getting pulled into whatever universe is. Yeah. And so, you know, this is what's leading to the speculation that, oh, hey, it's this is going to take place in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man universe. So I don't want to see a Sinister Six movie without Spider-Man. You know, if they're building up towards that, that would be cool. But I think they're just trying to throw as many coals into the fire as they can without really knowing where they're going. What are your thoughts out there on Morbius? Did you get a chance to check it out this past weekend? Is it something on your radar? Please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. We'd like to hear if there's any pushback on the poor reviews and people saying out there if it is good or not. But please let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, before we hit the break, my friend, a couple quick reviews. Halo Episode 2, I know you got a chance to check that out. I wanted to ask you personally on Halo, do you go to church quite a bit? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I... Can you do me a favor? If mm-hmm. that's the case, can you say a prayer for me that you can give me enough strength to get through Halo? Because this series, it's not trending for me in the right direction. It's ironic that you bring religion into Halo because Halo yes. is such a religious show. But exactly. I don't know. I'm very middle of the road on this. Like I don't hate it, but I don't like it. You know, I'm just kind of watching it, hoping that at some point it's going. I'm, I'm to just trying to get through it. Happen. You know, I, I guess I mean. I don't know if I dislike it as much as you do, but I don't like it. You know, I'm just, I keep hoping that it's going to captivate me. Okay. They took all these elements that we are familiar with. They put it like in a blender and yeah, that's fine that they built their own new story from it and they've jumped the shark. They not only jumped the shark, they did like a backflip over it. That's great. But the fact is what you built with this, this new storyline and all these different things you've added in there. Plus the fact you brought everything, all the familiar and, it just doesn't work. It's just bad. Space yeah. trolley cars, a, a covenant human that's stripping off all our clothes for a show that I think a lot of kids are going to watch. This is just not good, man. This is just not good. I'm usually not a prude about anything like that, but man, this is just not good. The dialogue does not work. The guy who's playing Master Chief, he's just, he's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah. you're just as depressed as he is going through this show. Oh, I agree. He doesn't seem to have any direction. I, I think the last episode was a waste of time, too, because he was like, well, you're the only person I know, so I need to come here. And then he ends up going immediately back to where he came from. Like, it just makes it feel like we went in this giant circle. And then Cortana, like, what is, is Cortana an AI? Because she clearly has flesh and bone in this, you know, in and, this show. And Dr. Halsey has her way. She's going to go ahead and install Cortana and it's going to take over his brain entirely instead of the cooperational thing that we know from the video games. Yeah, so see, that that's kind of an element that could make or break my enjoyment of the show, which is not there quite yet. And so, like I said, I keep waiting for it to captivate me, but so far it just has not done that. It's not done it for me as well. Please, Josh, the next time you go to church, just... Please pray for my strength, please, just to help me get this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send a prayer up for you. To help me get through this, man, just to help me get through. What are your thoughts out there on Halo so far, two episodes in? Again, I'm very, very happy that it's doing great numbers on Paramount+. Plus. Please do not get me wrong. I really am so happy that it is because of the fact it will open up the door for more video game IPs in the future. It's just bad. It's just bad, and I hope you're enjoying it much more than we are. But please let us know your thoughts on Halo. 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. One more thing before we hit the break, The Bubble on Netflix. Got a chance to see Judd Apatow's latest movie this past weekend with Pedro Pascal, Leslie Mann, David Duchovny, and quite a few others in this farce, poking fun at Hollywood, poking fun at Jurassic Park, poking fun at the pandemic and all that is there. It just seemed like it was going through the numbers. I'm not the best person to go to when it comes to comedies because it takes a lot to make me laugh on comedies because I've seen so much as far as the comedic styles. And it's just hard for comedy setups to go ahead and win me over, which I will talk about more here in a bit. But your thoughts as far as Netflix is concerned, because the bubble represents to me something where, yes, while Netflix does get the power of the dog, which does so well and it's such a great movie and it is best picture nominee and unfortunately there are so many other movies that are paint by numbers that netflix gets with the, just the name stars or the name producers and then in this case the name director and goes through the motions it gets a lot of clicks it gets a lot of views but your thoughts on netflix and the fact that again they get a lot of stuff that's just going to get a lot of clicks and it just really doesn't resonate long term the Adam Sandler films, his contract that he had a couple of years ago was kind of the opening of that. Yeah, You look at stuff on Netflix and what used to be great about Netflix was the fact that they had a lot of these, like, I guess, indie feeling projects. I mean, I, I would equate the first season of Stranger Things to that, where you have all these unknown actors and stuff on these shows and they end up being really good because you're not relying on star power to sell a story. You're relying on a story to sell a story. Yeah. And this goes back to something like Amazon Prime, you know, and I know our friend Rob McCallum has a show on Amazon Prime, the action figure adventure. But it's pretty easy for the average man to create to create and produce a show, get it up on Amazon Prime and get paid based on, you know, 40 cents per 100 hours or, or whatever the show is watching for you exactly what the numbers are. But you're getting a lot of really great things on Amazon Prime created by people who don't have the star power it's actual talent that's being put up on a lot of these Amazon prime things. And you kind of look at the two side by side and you see a world that is clearly craving storytelling over star power, but Netflix is kind of in it for, well, we've talked about Netflix before. They just throw darts. They just they throw just, content. They just throw darts and it just, you know, it, it makes you wonder, are they more interested in the clicks or like having content that will truly keep people coming back? Cause especially with the $20 price point, they're about to hit here. Like they're going to lose a lot of subscribers based on that. So is this an attempt to keep those people there? Because to me, it's not working. You know, I, I much rather feel like my subscription to Amazon Prime is a lot more worth the money than my subscription to Netflix. Where's their heart at, I guess, is the big question here. Well, they still have enough content, enough quality content that they throw at you, but they fill it a lot with filler. A lot of filler. Right. A lot of filler out there. Stuff that was done a while back mm-hmm. or series that they grab from other networks or like I said, original stuff that they throw out there that isn't always the best or they throw a big name at you in a project that looks like it was shot over the weekend somewhere. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's something that where I think that again, it's a bigger issue, but people are liking it. People are clicking on it. And as long as they continue to do so, like you said, it's all about the subscriptions. Can they maintain the 220 million subscriptions out there or grow on that? We'll wait and see. But your thoughts on the bubble from Netflix? Again, eh, it was there. It just really wasn't that great of a comedy. It wasn't Judd Apatow's best by any stretch of the imagination. But what's your thoughts out there on the bubble from Netflix? And also, 
the content that Netflix produces? Are you having issues with it? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next for the next few minutes on both the front and back side of the show, we're going to go ahead and cover WrestleMania. Night one is coming up next, but it's also after the break. It's night two of WrestleMania. Our thoughts on both nights, that's coming up here in a bit. And after that, Josh and I are going to be talking a little bit about Severance, Our Flag Means Death, E3 getting canceled, Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, and does anyone still care about the Academy Awards? That's coming up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Day one of WrestleMania is in the books, and here today to talk about day one and Day two of WrestleMania, the entire WrestleMania weekend. Good man indeed. He is such a part of this show, the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is TJ Johnson smiling, very happy. He saw some results that he absolutely liked. I saw some results that I thought were very good, very promising. Some I predicted right. And one I'm very extremely mad at that happened beforehand at NXT. Good to have you here, my friend. Just happy to have you part of the show once again. Hey, brother. I'm always happy to talk about it. WrestleMania. It's always so much fun to even just dive into that. My wife didn't realize how big of a fan I was for WrestleMania. She so it's fun know. letting the cat out the bag. That was, a, that was a good time. She does. Well, it also helps. It's yeah, something I've long talked about that it's over the course of two days as opposed to a 19-hour situation. Yeah, it was day. time. Yeah. It was time. Yeah. It needed it. It needed it. Absolutely. Yep. And then uh, next year, they already announced two days in, in Los Angeles so right around yeah. this time, a year from now. So I want to go ahead and first quickly talk about the thing that happened beforehand at NXT Stand and Deliver. Among the events there was the NXT Championship, and I thought, again, we're starting off the day with a situation where WWE, they must be smoking something because whatever it is isn't working to have the rising star that needs to be dominant in your NXT, to have the star that you need to go ahead and focus on as the poster child for your future in Braun Breaker, a.k.a. Braun Steiner the son of Rick Steiner, who you just enshrined along with his brother, Scott Steiner, the previous (laughs) night. And the WWE, I think, loves to do these things because over the years, they go ahead and have people losing their hometowns. They have people losing Mm. their their birthdays. And to have your son, the shining force in the NXT, lose to a mid-carder in Dolph Ziggler for the NXT Championship, I think is a disgrace. And I'm just going to say that that. Just absolute disgrace. And we'll just leave it. There's not much more that needs to be said. Completely agree with you. Disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Yeah. But getting back to the day one card that happened a few hours later, yep. we're going to go ahead and run through real quickly. The Usos defeated Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Unfortunately, that wasn't much of a match. The Usos won yeah. simply because of the fact, well, they're probably going to win anyways, but Rick Boogs, unfortunately, tore quadriceps when he was trying to carry both the Usos on his back, blew up his quadriceps, and now he needs surgery, so that pretty much derailed that match. Drew McIntyre defeated Happy Corbin. Nobody in the entire stadium didn't think that Drew McIntyre was going to lose, 
and this match probably would have been better on a SmackDown. Yeah. Miz and Logan Paul defeated Dominic that and Ray Satura. Fun. Yeah, that was a fun match. Logan Paul obviously surprised yeah. a lot of people. It's yeah. like Bad Bunny did last year. Logan Paul did yeah. this year. The yeah. Miz is the Miz, and yeah. he ended up going ahead and backstabbing Logan Paul after their victory. So I guess that is take it for what you will. Another wrestler versus celebrity impending feud there. I don't feel like you liked it very much, Gerald. I, I don't. Uh, I, don't it's, I don't get the warm and fuzzies from. Okay, Logan Paul did good, but in he control did really situation. Good. But the Miz is just again, he's one of these WWE wrestlers that are just they're they're done. They're past their primes. They're nobody wants to see them. They're the Happy Corbins, the Dolph Ziggler's of the world, and they just got to go ahead and say, you know what, we got a future for you in WWE management or behind the scenes, and just say, you know what, let's call it a day. So, I mean, really. Do you well, really want to see the doing, Miz anymore? Well, not in his current incarnation, no. Yeah, he so needs to switch it up. He needs to be something different. But after 10 plus years, it's just like, okay, you've either defined yourself as someone that people want to see or you've defined yourself as someone that's on the card and that's it. So we'll go from there for the stuff that we really <laughs> came out of our way to see. Again, Logan Paul did himself well. He did but great. Yeah, yeah. He, he did well. I was yeah. really impressed. I was really yeah. impressed. Bianca Belair did defeat Hollywood Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. Still kind of perturbed with the fact that they didn't do a women's unification match. Would have been yeah. with Bianca in it. That would have been fine. Or three-way, yeah. four-way. That would have been fine to me. But if the men have one, the women should have had one. But, yeah, that's something I've digressed over quite a bit. But the big debut, which you and I were really, really happy about, Seth Rollins, his, mm. his mystery opponent was none other than Cody Rhodes. Cody Came Rhodes. in, they had a fantastic match, and Cody Rhodes was rightly put over. He is the, the winner, so I'm happy to keep that Cody Rhodes is back in the WWE, where he seems to be very appreciated, as opposed to what happened at the end of AEW. Charlotte Flair, in the right move, defeated Ronda Rousey, who I guess at this point in time, just I don't know what their future is for her, but she's Technically, if you saw the match, you would understand why it was probably the best decision to put Flair over at this time. And last but not least, and I'm going to get your thoughts on these main matches here in a sec. Stone Cold Steve Austin, and he was part of the KO show at the very end. Steve Austin said he wanted a match against KO, Kevin Owens, and he got one. And they had a great brawl with Stone Cold after 19 years out of the ring. Must have been storing and saving up quite a bit because he performed tremendously kept up with KO and KO took the stunner and got counted the one, two, three and stone cold. Steve Austin gets to go ahead and go out on his own terms and retire in Dallas where he started his career. So great performance by both those guys, but getting back to Bianca Belair defeating Becky Lynch. So any quick comments on that? Because Becky Lynch, I just, she, her heel turn has not been gone the way I think they wanted to, but your thoughts on Bianca <clears throat> I actually think her heel turn has gone pretty standard. She was one of the ones to legitimize it, and she's one of the ones that's continuing to keep it legitimized. And now you have the Bianca Belairs that get to come take the reins and continue to push the women's division forward, which I thought was an excellent move. I thought it was perfect that they gave the belt back to Bianca, considering that she lost in 26 seconds to Becky. SummerSlam. Yeah, so she lost in 26 seconds to Becky. And honestly, they put on a phenomenal match. I mean, if I have to put a, a rating to their match versus everybody else. I think that was probably my second favorite match of the night behind KO and Steve Austin. So I thought it was a, 
a great match, great back and forth, finishers on top of finishers. I like Becky Lynch as a heel. I, I like where she's going. I like how she has this entitled spirit to her. I like how she is willing to sell her soul for this title. I thought it was just a great story. I thought it was very well told by both performers, to be honest with you. I thought it was a very, very well put together match. And the finishes were just awesome. I, I, I was completely floored at how good the women's division has become um, in the WWE. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Again, Cody Rhodes gets the victory in his return to WWE. Thought that was the right move. Good for Seth Rollins for putting him over. Your thoughts quickly on Cody Rhodes before we get to Flair and Stone Cold. It was pretty expected. I mean, I was excited to see Cody Rhodes back. I thought it was a great match. I thought that Seth Rollins did a fantastic job putting him over and truly selling into this idea that this is my time. I fought for my WrestleMania moment. You're not going to come in here and steal it. And there were quite a few times that I thought Seth Rollins actually might have pulled it out. So they put on a very entertaining match as well. Charlotte Flair defeated Ronda Rousey. I just don't think Ronda <laughs> Rousey has the same kind of je ne sais quoi, so to speak, the same kind of push, the same kind of type of following that preceded her on her previous time in WWE. And she's still a name, but she's also with her flaws as far as her experience is concerned. Really tough to keep up there in a top level. Your thoughts on Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey? I mean, I think they went the right way with it, and I'm hoping to see more as far as a unification match down the line with the ladies that can go ahead and and get this thing all sorted out. This one hurt because I predicted how stale this match would be. I'm a huge fan of Charlotte Flair. I think she's a phenomenal talent. I think she's a phenomenal athlete, and what she's done for the women's division to help, again, legitimize her right there along with Becky Lynch is nothing to be laughed at by any stretch of the imagination. I've seen what she can do when she has the right dance partner, and they can make magic. Becky Lynch, Oscar, there's there's several matches that she can. some players there that she can make real magic with. Here's the problem. The problem is you have someone who's relatively a powerhouse, if we're going to call Charlotte Flair anything. She's, She's a powerhouse for the women's division, right? And you have her with the inexperienced wrestler such as ronda rousey who really had her fan following from ufc and to be frank since she's been in the wwe she's been nothing impressive for wrestlemania and i think that when you put people who are not worthy and who don't really have the draw that they should have in those situations you really spit in the face of a lot of those wrestlers who've been putting in the work 24 7 as opposed to somebody who just comes back if you're a stone cold steve austin You've earned the right to come in and come out of WrestleMania as you see fit. If you're the Rock Undertaker, you've earned the rights to do that. You've put in your time, and if you want to get thrown into the, the main event at the last minute to go do a rock bottom or a stun or whatever the case is, you've earned that. God bless you. But for somebody like Ronda Rousey, who has not earned her way yet and is still trying to learn the business and learn her place in the business to put her in the main event or put her in a championship situation where she could potentially win the belt over these women who have worked their tails off who really should – be in the position that Ronda Rousey's in, and then to see her underperform as she did, it's disheartening as a fan because we see that. We can clearly see that she looked gas. We can clearly see that she was flubbing moves and that she does not have a good mic presence and she's got this one face to make and that's all she does. She just scowls and that's it. So I think her entire thing needs to be reworked. Uh, I just don't yeah. think that this is the way to do it. Yeah, no, it's not the way to do it at all. But last but certainly not least, it was the way to do it for Stone Cold Steve Austin because him and Kevin Owens, they actually did have a match. And I tell you what, I am very happy. And so is the other, what, 77,889. No, it was not. 899. 
whatever. Okay, the fake number that they give you, but the sixty plus thousand that were there that supported Stone Cold Steve Austin gets to see him ride out into the sunset, and in the place where he started, get the victory over Kevin Owens. Just that was booked beautifully. What I would have really liked to have seen, honestly, was this to be Stone Cold's last run and not do every show, very similar to Rock and Cena. Because he's Stone Cold, he deserves to win. But at the same token, you mean to tell me that there a 57-year-old man who's been out of the ring for almost 20 years at this point can beat up on somebody who's been consistent in this game, is considerably younger. You understand what I'm getting at? He's yeah. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I get it. He's Stone Cold. He's stunning people. He's doing his whole shtick. I completely get it. What I would have really liked to see was this to be a bit of a farewell tour for Stone Cold. And I would have liked to have seen him lose because then it could have put him on a bit of a redemption arc, right? Same way that John Cena was when he fought, when he faced The Rock for the second time. Put him on a bit of a redemption arc and just say he has to fulfill this. He has to get back to WrestleMania to get his WrestleMania win back. Granted, it may not be in a great state of Texas. I understand it was a great storybook ending. But give him something more to chew on than just that one match because, quite frankly, outside of the fact that it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, there's no way he should have won the match. He's 57 years old. Kevin Owens is, what, early 30s at best? Yeah, but since you put it on last, I think that doomed where it's going to be because the fact you got to send the the crowd home happy. you you got to send the crowd home happy. Well, yes and no, because remember, we have a second part. So it's not like WrestleMania is over. It'd be different if it was a one-day WrestleMania and you got to send the crowd home happy. Sure, you got a whole other day to send the crowd home happy. Right now, if I'm Stone Cold, I would have preferred to have had something last a little bit longer to me that helped legitimize somebody else because this didn't do anything for Kevin Owens. This was literally just a, a smash job for Stone Cold to have his one-off in Texas and be done. I didn't dislike the match. I'm going to be very clear. I enjoyed watching it, but I do wish that it would have had a different outcome. Once again, it's TJ Johnson. He is the man that does so many things for us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Plus, also check out his latest interview at our good friends over on Dig <laughs> on America. TJ, it's been great having you here for part one. Looking forward to right after the commercial break, seeing you for part two and night two of WrestleMania. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, Holy Grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show Season 2, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. All right, we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Night 2 at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 38 in Dallas at the AT&T Stadium. Was another affair. Fortunately, it did not meet up to how well Saturday went over. Want to go ahead and run down the card real quick. Orton and Riddle as RKA Bro. They faced off against Alpha Academy and Street Profit in a three-way tag team match, which they retained their titles. Bobby Lashley pinned almost in a big man versus bigger man match, which should have stayed on a Raw personally, because I think that was pretty much a nothing match. Johnny Knoxville beat Sami Zayn in what most people will describe if they're wrestling pundits, 15 minutes of pain. 
from Sami Zayn yeah. and Johnny Knoxville there. It was actually 15 minutes too long for a 15-minute match. Yeah. And Sasha Banks and Naomi, in a good solid match, won the tag team championships. I wonder if she keeps the Lamborghini that she drove in there with prize. I hope so. That was nice. I hope so. Yeah, she deserves it. <laughs> Maybe she drive it all the way over to the Disney lot so that she can film more Mandalorians. But they defeated go. the teams of Queen Zelina and Carmella, Shayna Baszler and Natalia, and Liv Morgan and Rhea Ripley. Edge defeated AJ Styles. Also as well, Sheamus and Rich Holland destroyed the New Day in less than two minutes, yeah, which I think was yeah. a pretty much a disgrace to the New Day. But yeah. I think that's something that we'll have to get taken. That was a match that was actually supposed to be on night one, and it got bumped over night two. It was only two minutes long, so that'll tell you. The video packages were longer than this match, to give you an idea. <laughs> So you have the new day in only two minutes or less than that. Then you have Pat McAfee pin Austin Theory after a match. I think that also went some extended time Way and it went uh, a little bit too long as well. Pat McAfee then gets beat by Vince McMahon, who he challenged to come into the ring. And Vince McMahon, in a short match, beats Pat McAfee with a lot of help from Austin Theory. And then after everything was all said and done there, Steve Austin. You hear the music, you hear the noise, the crashing glass, and he comes through, he comes out, he stuns Pat McAfee, he stuns Austin Theory, he, he tries everybody. to stun Vince McMahon, but <laughs> as TJ mentioned, he probably could be 190 and still not ever take a stunner very well. So unfortunately, yeah. he tried to take the stunner and fell, and it was so bad, and it was so horrible that... Even Stone Cold Steve Austin had to laugh in his final, what I guess, performance for a while. He'll probably come around, do a stunner here, do a guest stunner there. But he ended it on a great note for this weekend. Roman Reigns in the final match of the evening and the unification match that everybody was looking forward to defeats Brock Lesnar. Hard hitting, not quite the best we've seen from these two working together. Unfortunately, it was just did not have that little extra zest. I think that's what you could say most about tonight, that this night overall didn't have quite the oomph that the Saturday show had with more quality matches. But anything else stood out to you for tonight? You know, I, honestly, if we're looking at this card and you, and you measure it up to the card that was presented to us yesterday, if I had to give yesterday's card a four out of five, I would probably give today's card a two and a half to three out of five. I think you're being generous personally. I, I might be being a little generous. It's probably leaning more towards a 2 to a 1.5. But the point being is that I, I was much more underwhelmed with today's matches to the point where my wife frequently caught me dozing off. I think you pretty much hit everything on the head. Uh, I think the only matches that were worth anything were the first one, Ordinary Riddle versus Alpha Academy and Street Profits, which looked phenomenal. They were taking some incredible bumps. No, I think the best match of the night pretty much goes to Edge and AJ Styles, or it might be tied for the women's match. Sasha Banks and Naomi put on a, a very, very entertaining match. Overall, what is the best match that you saw this weekend at WrestleMania? Yeesh. I think the best match of WrestleMania, this is almost crazy to think, I think the best match of WrestleMania, honestly, was Bianca Belair. I really do. I didn't find myself as invested in any other match this weekend. Everything on Saturday was far superior to what was on Sunday, but the one well, match I, I found I myself... I felt your emotion as far as what you described yeah, and what you won. The one match that I felt really stood out, I think the women really stepped up this WrestleMania, and, and if I had to take one, it was probably Bianca Belair beating out Becky Lynch for the women's title. I thought that was a fantastic match. I thought that was well-paced. 
I thought it was great to see the emotion, to see Becky Lynch in the way that we've seen her and to see Bianca Belair overcome that 26-second defeat back at SummerSlam. I thought it was just a great pacing for that match, great back and forth. And I think what, what we really have to remember is obviously we're talking about professional wrestling. So we're talking about guys and women that know how the outcome is pretty much going to be, or for the most part, they know. They might find out how it's going to end right then on the spot, but they know how the match is going to go, all the major bumps. It's important to be able to tell a story, right? And I think that if I look at any match that transpired over the last 48 hours, the story that I found myself most invested in was Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch, even more so than Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, like you alluded to earlier, which you said it perfectly it didn't seem to have the same it factor that we've seen from them two before. The WWE probably did the right thing in, in keeping the belt on Roman Reigns as opposed to the part-timer in Brock Lesnar, which I, I can understand, I, I get. I just didn't get the warm and fuzzies. Yeah. I didn't get the warm and fuzzies from any of the matches today. And I think if, if I had to think about the best feeling that I had, it was Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch for the title. Well, I can say that was number two on my list as far as matches overall for the weekend. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that the return of Cody Rhodes and his victory over Seth Rollins, I thought those two style-wise meshed very, very well. Yeah. Seth Rollins is one of the best workers on the planet. Even Agreed. Agreed. You know, I know he blew out his knee about three, four years ago, and he still isn't quite the same since he was back then, but he's mm -hmm. close to it. And having Cody Rhodes come in here, who is also a very good worker himself, and just going ahead at it, I just think that this match met my expectations. And like you said, Bianca Belair and also Becky Lynch had a really strong match, and they have got nothing to be ashamed about at all because they are yeah. really good as well. I think you, you say that match, you say the Cody match, Either of those matches, you can say, are really some of the best that WrestleMania had to offer. I, yeah. I was truly disappointed as far as how they laid out the matches, as far as, like yeah. you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. but this is something we brought up on the preview that I think the way they laid it out was very problematic. And yes. the way New Day was treated over the course of that was retrospective of that, how yes. you could just Agreed. put them on for a two-minute match if you go, they were going to go ahead and get jobbed out in a squash in two minutes you could have kept that on night one and uh, you know just the way the fact that you did that was kind of discouraging to such a team that's been so much part of your history the past decade so very sad to see that but again yeah some of the decisions that were made that was probably the number two worst decision outside of Braun breaker for me mm -hmm. as far as it's concerned mm -hmm. as far as poor decisions that were made but there were some booking errors the things that th they shouldn't have done some of the things that they did right, keeping Charlotte Flair, the title on her, I think that was yeah, probably absolutely. a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. I and think then, that was a, a no-brainer. Well, a lot of people were, were picking Ronda because, in fact, you know, she is a hired guy and she's very well compensated to come in there. And she yeah. is the once big name of the USC. And I think yeah. that people are starting to realize that she is the once big name of the USC and, you know, exactly. unfortunately cannot do things that like you described before the break that she could do she can't do that anymore because she's not in the kind of wrestling shape that she needs to be in agreed agreed these were our best matches this is supposed to be the the ultimate the showcase of immortals right this is what we've all known wrestlemania to be yeah and 
the best matches we had were the two matches that came on Saturday and they weren't even main event matches. Yeah. It's disappointing to say the least. And I think that I think it's important that WWE gets back to telling stories with these matches. I remember the WrestleMania 17s and the 18s and the 19s where you had a strong story. Now, I understand that was the Attitude Era. I understand that the characters were different. Television was different. The way we consume media was different. There are a lot of things that changed. But storytelling, good storytelling, is good storytelling, no matter how you tell the story. And I think what's important is that we really, we, I say like I'm, I'm under the roster, right? But the WWE really needs to get back to telling stories and making you feel a certain way about characters. Looking forward to seeing what will happen a year from now and if they will take or heed your advice going forward. <laughs> indeed. So They need to hire me. They need to hire me. Uh, yes, they need to bring us all on for the boardroom really so do. we can go ahead and book a better program for everyone there involved at the WWE. But need I digress on that? Yeah. I will say the best moment of the night, though, was Triple H. That was an incredible moment. Yeah, everything yeah. was preceded by Triple H, who started the show, putting down his boots in the middle of the ring and, and saying yeah. a last goodbye. That was pretty cool. That was pretty special. Absolutely. Pretty special. Yes. Credit to him, and I wish him continued good health. Hopefully yes. things will work out okay for him, but we definitely hope that he will stay a part of the WWE going forward as well. But once again, it's TJ Johnson. Thank you so much, TJ, for spending two nights of WrestleMania coverage with me. Appreciate it so much. If you have any questions for TJ or I on WrestleMania, do you like some things, didn't like what we said, or you saw some <laughs> matches better than we did, or if you agree with us that night one was pretty cool and night two was the stinker, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, TJ, appreciate it so much you being part of everything that we do here, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. But before we head on out, my friend, got some things we want to cover. Severance on Apple Plus. This is my weekly reminder, Josh. Actually, this is my every show reminder, Josh, to go ahead and watch Severance, the best show. Well, I don't know. I don't say it's the best because the final show hasn't aired the finale. We were left on a cliffhanger leading into the final week, the final episode of season one of Severance. So I don't want to say it yet. I will say it next week, whether or not it is or not isn't, but it is certainly dang good. It is Severance. It is truly a pleasure to watch as far as the mystery, as far as twists and turns, as far as the end each and every week, leaving you wanting more. I haven't had this much interest in watching a show in quite some time. I think The Boys Season 1, I think, did that for me. But this has created so much emotion for me 
and the final episode that's coming up this week. I know everybody is on pins and needles on what's going on. So please, you'll hear my final thoughts on Severance next week. But yes, please check it out, the finale, and binge it now on Apple+. Plus. Okay. All right. I'll throw it into the queue. I know you keep telling me to watch it, and I need to, and I will. This I is will some really good stuff, this. man. It, it's, okay. it's not only character-driven, it's plot-driven. It's just everything is working, and that's a good thing. Can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. I know that you and Melinda probably talked about this, but what were your thoughts on Moon Knight? Like, did you like it? Did you not like it? Oh, absolutely. Moon Knight, I did. Got off to a good start. To me, it was an easy watch. Like, it felt like it breathes right through. It was really good. It was something that helped set up the character in a fun way. It was mostly Stephen Grant, so I know a lot of people are going to be having issues with that because it was mostly Stephen Grant from the gift shop in there. But I think it was off to a good start. I think it leaves you wanting more and wants you to continue watching it. I think that's a good start for me. Melinda and I were both very pleased with the start of Moon Knight. Yeah, I I enjoyed it too. You know, I know he's a more obscure Marvel property, but I, I think they did a good job of kind of like explaining his story. And I think Oscar Isaac did an amazing job at playing three different characters. Like that was that was probably my favorite part of that show was just watching his dynamic with his other personalities. And it it almost felt like a BBC comedy at some parts of it. You had yeah. uh, Steven in the gift shop, and it was yeah, he's trying hard on that accent. Oh, man, but it, it, the accent didn't really bother me as much as nothing really bothered me. What I'm saying the the accent was I didn't really notice it because that character is just funny. He's very easy to like. And yeah, that's he, probably one of my favorite parts about this show is that you feel for this guy who has no idea what's going on. And you're like, oh, well, tell me more. Like, I'm on the edge of my seat here. The only thing is, though, are we going to get invested into a character that may or may not be a major part of the MCU going forward? I know Oscar Isaac has been clear that he's only doing one season of Moon Knight. I'm assuming, and it's been speculated on, that he will be making appearances in movies if there's a Midnight Suns, Dark Avengers, or he'll be a part of the MCU going forward. I don't think that Disney would invest this kind of money in a series and not have him play a role down the road. A Moon Knight season two, I'm not sure if that'll ever come to pass because, again, he's been very clear to say he's only doing one season of it, but... I'm hoping we'll see more of this. Disney and Marvel usually don't do things to just go ahead and say, okay, it's there and we're done. We're moving on when it comes to MCU. Usually it's there to play a larger role. So I'm hoping that will be the case. Oh, for sure. You know, and we still have a lot of things floating around in the MCU right now that I'm sure they'll come back to. Like we still have the White Vision and Moon Knight. We have Daredevil and we don't even know what's going on with Punisher, but there's a lot of things just floating around out there that they have the ability to use. And I'm sure at some point they will end up using them. I'm hoping so. But what are your thoughts out there on Moon Knight episode one? We're liking it so far. Hoping the good things will follow. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Speaking of stuff that's out there, HBO Max, one of their biggest hits right now is Our Flag Means Death. The comedy that is executive produced by Taika Waititi, who plays Blackbeard in the series. It's a show about a wealthy landowner who all of a sudden gets up and says, I want to become a pirate. So he gets a team together and they go on various calamity adventures. I, again, am not the best judge of sitcoms and and comedic things. I didn't enjoy my first episode or two on this, so... I've not enjoyed it. I'm trying to stick through it and trying to get through it. But your thoughts on Our Flag Means Death? Obviously, it's getting a lot of praise as far as from people out there that are enjoying it. It's trending well on a lot of parameters and analytics. 
your thoughts on our flag means death. You know, so I sat there and I watched the first episode. It felt like a lot of the comedies that used to be on Comedy Central back in the day. And even yeah. NBC had a lot of like hit and miss comedies like that. Outburst is one I can think of in particular. But it's not hilarious to me. Neither to me as well. But it's, you know, I can see why people like it. But it's just it's not something that, you know, even the, the episode is like 22 minutes. But even before I, I reached like the 15 minute mark, I was looking at the time like, when is this going to end? Yeah, it, it's just something that I'm very, eh, I don't think I, I'm not, I'm not even sure if I am going to complete it as far as that series is concerned. I'm already having to deal with Halo, so that, yeah. <laughs> having two different series that I'm not exactly in love with is really hard to get through. But mm-hmm. we want to hear your thoughts if you are going to be able to go ahead and get through our flag means death, or if you enjoy our flag means death. To me, it's not what we do in the shadows anywhere near it. What we do oh, in the shadows, not, yeah, yeah, that's so much better of a series. That's so much more enjoyable. That's so much more funny, more inspirational. So yeah. please, we want to hear your thoughts on HBO's Our Flag Means Death. It's getting good ratings, I believe. It's getting good buzz. So we want to hear your thoughts on if we're wrong on Our Flag Means Death. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, now we get to some video games before we head on out, my friend. First up is Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 has been delayed to next year, which is absolutely of no surprise to me. You wanted to go ahead and phrase it into a bigger question of what the fall gaming season would look like. And to me, as long as Starfield's there, I think I'm okay if Bethesda decides to get back on the right track of Elder Scrolls and not the wrong track of Fallout 76. So... I want to hear your thoughts on Breath of the Wild 2 getting delayed. Again, this is something where people will still buy stuff from Nintendo just because it's Nintendo. They'll buy it without any marketable releases. They'll just wait forever. It's just because, again, Nintendo's just Nintendo, so I don't think this is really going to get anybody really mad because they know eventually at the end of the day, Zelda will come out and it'll be really good. Yeah, no, and I don't think that it's going to be of any detriment to game sales at all. But, you know, I'm looking at it, and Forspoken keeps getting pushed back. God of War has yet to have a release date. The Suicide Squad got pushed back again. So we're seeing a lot of game releases being pushed back. And if you look at the only things in the fall that have solid release dates, you have Test Drive Unlimited Solar Crown comes out September 22nd. Forspoken, uh, allegedly coming out October 11th. Gotham Knights, October 25th. Starfield, November 11th. Stalker 2, December 8th. And then just a bunch of things that are rumored to come out but don't have release dates, you know, such as God of War. You know, there's a new Dragon Ball. There's there's a lot, you know, Final Fantasy VII, EverQuest. There's a lot of things that are rumored to be coming out but don't have solid release dates. So I'm just curious here, like, what do you think the holiday season for gaming is going to be like? Because usually you have four or five big releases. And I agree with you, like Starfield is probably going to be a massive enough game to kind of consume all of my holiday time. But you just don't have nothing that's like concrete here that seems to be outside of Starfield that's going to be of any substance to a lot of people. And well, especially- that's part of the problem because you don't have, and this is part number two of our video game coverage, is that E3 was officially yeah. canceled. Mm-hmm. The physical was canceled in January and the digital was canceled last week. 
which means yeah. they're trying to tell you that, okay, we're getting everything set up for next year, 2023. That's great and all that. But to me, E3, again, as I've always told you, it should be the platform for the video game industry and should right. be the platform for everyone to go announce their big things there. Now, like you said, we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's on the way. We have no idea. But with Nintendo doing its own thing and PlayStation doing its own thing and Microsoft doing its own thing on these conferences that they have, mm -hmm. these mini showcases that they do every now and then. Does it really matter? Does the importance of E3 lessening? Yes. It doesn't really matter that E3's being canceled this year. No, because they'll announce their games when they can. But I just love that one formulated time in June where we would know what was coming up for the near future yeah. and the distant future for the video game industry. Now you don't have that. Now we got to go ahead and play everything by ear and wait for all of them to go ahead and do their different showcases. And it's just, it's just a stressful time, man. For video games. Right, right. And E3, it's funny because I was thinking back to like our first time at E3, remember it was in 2017 or something like that. But that was a cool thing because we walked into all these shows. We saw the big booths, all the big names were there. Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo, everybody was there. And now they're all kind of doing their own thing. So everyone keeps saying E3 is going to come back more powerful in 2023, but they're not. This is this they're is not. probably most likely this is going to be the end of E3 because you have the IGN Summer of Gaming, the Jeff Keighley, whatever thing that he's got going on. Like Microsoft will probably have a conference. Sony will be like, oh, let's be different and let's do our conference. state of play and, and, and the yeah. Nintendo showcase. And Microsoft has his showcase. So they all have their showcases now right. that they go ahead. And then, unfortunately, it's not the way I still would love to have it presented because E3 should be that one big Super Bowl event, mm -hmm. as it was for many years and now no longer is. I think yeah. they'll try to bring it back next year, but it will never be in the same form as it was oh, before. And that's not. disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, and that being said, I'm sure we're going to get some announcements come May or June or whatever regarding games coming out in the fall, but it just it doesn't feel as exciting as it once was you know you could sit down oh my gosh i'm gonna watch this microsoft conference they're gonna tell me everything i can get in october september whatever same thing with playstation nintendo like oh this stuff looks awesome it just doesn't have that hype anymore especially with people still suffering from you know what the aftermath of the pandemic we just don't have that wow anymore well, I'll tell you what, my friend, it's still something hopefully we can look forward to E3, but I don't think it'll ever be the same. Your thoughts out there on E3 getting canceled and Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 getting delayed. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you think that there's going to be some light at the end of the tunnel for both of these, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we head on out, my friend, I know you wanted to touch on the Academy Awards. The ratings came out, and there was a 56% bump up in the ratings. But when your ratings were the lowest ever last year, I think that this was an improvement. But this was still the second lowest ratings ever for the Academy Awards. And a lot of that is attributed to the slapgate as far as the bump up is concerned. Because once it started trending worldwide, people started tuning in. I think to the tune of half a million viewers or something like that, even more right after the Slapgate took place between Will Smith and Chris Rock. I know the Academy Awards for billing, for importance, as far as for 
what it does as far as if you win. I think that still means something. I just think nobody wants to sit through the three hours and hear about it. They can just go ahead and check out on the internet who won and who lost and go from there. Yeah, I don't know how much of the conspiracy stuff out there is true with the people saying, oh, well, Will Smith was smiling or whatever it might be. But I think the Academy Awards, I don't think people care anymore. Like you said, like all those people jumped on after they had heard about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. I look at this in the same way I look at was that Imagine music video that the celebrities did during the pandemic, like mm-hmm. trying to say like, oh, hey, we're all in this together. We're but, you know obviously there's some discrepancies in lifestyles there right so yes you know i I view the academy awards as a time when celebrities get together and kind of congratulate each other on stuff that they did that the average person did not watch well it is something again going forward that there'll probably be i think this level of interest will be there continuously but it will be a level of interest that is not like what it used to be i mean when the Academy Awards captivated the world's attention, I think those days, like E3, are in the past. I think people have got to come to grips with that. The Academy Awards will still be pomp and circumstance and style, but I think that the amount of people watching it will be around what you're seeing. And now just because there's so many different things that we can do and see that we don't have to go ahead and sit through three, four hours of Academy Awards and people backslapping each other sorry mm-hmm. pardon the pun with the slapping but it just seems like the glad handing and all that stuff i think people just are, are done with that they just want to go yeah. ahead and just know who won who lost and go from there yeah and no, i i agree with that and i'm not interested in the academy awards i'm not interested in a lot of the movies that are put out there and i see and you can tell that the discrepancy in the people there versus like some of these categories the fan categories right where they showed like the flash it got zero applause at the Academy Awards because like just kind of snobby towards stuff that's like, well, it's not artsy and I didn't do it. You know, like they don't really care about what the average person thinks. It's kind of like, hey, let me go and let's just have this as a night where we can applaud each other for things that we did. And it's just kind of it feels like it's outside the realm of the average person caring about it anymore. Well, at least Dune won the most awards. Yes. That's yeah. what matters. That's good. Not the yeah. best picture, though. Should have won the best picture, but need I digress. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the Academy Awards? Was it a slap in the face for you this year? Or are you looking for something more? Or you really don't care anymore about watching the Academy Awards? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. But you know it's that time of the, of the hour, my friend. So please, any thoughts before we head on out? No, I think we got it covered. I do want to talk about some more Moon Knight next weekend. So, Absolutely. And I'll be talking more Severance. Severance, 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 people. Severance. Sounds good. Yes, absolutely. So I want to go ahead and thank you so much, Josh, as always, for being part of the program. Everybody checking us out, watching us, and also listening to us out there. We truly appreciate it. And remember, we're here all week long on Facebook at the Pop Culture Cosmos the number one place to go for tabletop rpg streaming and of course the best place to go to check out the latest news and information in pop culture right there at the pop culture cosmos so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself 
Agree.